Welcome to Storm Stories, a podcast about the effects of hurricanes on coastal North Carolina. I'm your host and producer, Laura Bratton. If you're listening, you've arrived at episode two of our second season, where we're talking about how Hurricane Florence impacted different groups of people. In this episode, we're focusing on how hurricanes impact sex workers. The number of women in sex work tends to go up after natural disasters. This is what I found in a 2013 study by researchers Cobb and Elrond. It talks about a resolution presented by the U.S. Democrats in April 2013, stating that women in the U.S. are particularly affected by climate-related disasters. For example, Hurricane Katrina, which they say displaced over 83% of low-income single mothers. Five studies between 1994 and 2013 say that women are driven into sex work for survival after natural disasters. In this episode, we're looking at how storms affect women who are already in the transactional sex industry and how the market for transactional sex changes after a natural disaster. We'll call her Katie. Unlike the women described in the studies, she was a sex worker before Hurricane Florence hit. Here's how she got into the industry. I was homeless at the time when I first started and I was at a gas station. I was kind of like panhandling. And this guy was like, well, I'll give you money, but you have to do something for me. Once I got into it, I met more people who were doing it. And they told me, well, this is how you should do it. It just escalated from there. She was struggling with a heroin addiction at the time. I was spending all my money on drugs. Like I could make between $500 and $1,000 in a day but all of that was getting spent on my drug habit. Her clients were people who were successful businessmen, older white men who are married. And she described the other women she knew in the industry like this. Most of the girls that I knew that worked in the industry with me didn't have homes. So it was like they were living out of hotels. Most of them had pimps or guys that they were running their stuff for them. So they didn't have money. These guys would buy them anything they wanted, but they didn't have their own money financially. A lot of them had children, which I don't have kids, but a lot of the girls I knew had kids. They didn't have their kids. They didn't speak to their families. After hearing this, I became interested in how someone might recognize a sex worker in our community. So I asked Rebecca Anderson, executive director at a nonprofit called 514 Revolution, which works with women in the industry to prevent human trafficking and sexual exploitation. If you, if an average person in Wilmington was driving down Market Street, you would just see a girl walking, maybe with a backpack, and she's not dressed in any kind of, you know, different way, she, but, but it's like she's walking back and forth with no destination. Sex work and sex trafficking are distinct. But women in sex work are vulnerable to sex trafficking, and both are old news in Wilmington. North Carolina is one of the top ten worst states for sex trafficking, and Wilmington. Sayani explains there is a new message and a new effort to help Almost 300,000 people are forced into the sex trade every year. In fact, WCT, Wilmington's news station, even made a one-hour special on prostitution in New Hanover and Brunswick counties. Prostitution, the life as it's called on the street, isn't confined to red light districts, brothels, or bad neighborhoods. It's right here. And everything you're about to see was shot in- I know because this is a port city, it's really big here. 
Not only that, but Wilmington is definitely a tourist town. So like you can make a lot of money here during the summer. It gets pretty crazy because there's people coming from all over the country to come here and vacation and they want to have fun. So and you can guess where that's going. Most transactional sex happens in Market Street motels. And in 2015, the county DA Ben David sent nuisance abatement notices to six of these motels. In other words, David threatened to shut them down. Market Street hotels, a public nuisance due to repeated incidents of drugs, prostitution, and violence. The county and the motels reached an agreement in 2016, but according to Katie, that didn't stop her clients. Not even Hurricane Florence stopped her clients. Right up until the storm hit, People were calling me constantly like, hey, can you come meet me? Like, I know the storm's coming, blah, blah, blah. Like, I remember meeting this one guy and you could just like see the clouds. And it was scary because it was like, oh, my God, I hope we get home like before the like the you know what I mean? Like the shit hits the fan type thing. Did you and other sex workers all stay in town? Yeah. And I didn't know any girls that left during the hurricane. All of them stayed here. Was it for financial reasons or? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's why I didn't leave because I didn't have the money to leave. Also, I knew if I left, I can't make money. I mean, I'm sure I could have made money, but it was easier for me to stay here and make money even with all the terrible stuff that was going on. Katie says she and other people in the industry had been anticipating the storm and preparing to get more clients because of it. She says her uptick in clients was twofold. Regular clients trying to get in visits with her before they left town, and like she just mentioned, men coming to town post-storm. So many people come from out of town to come here to like do trees and electricity and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was thousands of people. Like there was thousands of people in Wilmington that were here to like help kind of reconstruct everything. So, I mean, that hurricane was so bad. It was nuts because you wouldn't think that that would be so crazy during a hurricane, but like I got more business during that whole period of time than any other time that I was working normally. Rebecca, who we heard from earlier, comments on the influx of demand for transactional sex after Florence. The disaster created this vacuum of people coming into the community, too, where you had people coming from all over the country to to provide disaster relief or to, it was like a labor force that arrived, like to cut down trees, to do roof work. So they all, those individuals also brought their chaos with them. I asked Katie if she considered reaching out to nonprofits like 514 Revolution, A Safe Place, or Homeless Shelters. She said the shelter she knew about, Salvation Army, was shut down at the time because the roof caved in. And she really didn't know about other resources I mentioned while she was in the industry. If that was more known within the actual sex community, I think that that would make a huge, huge difference. But like I said, I never knew that that was even an option at the time. She says aside from that, that just having a more open conversation about sex work could help people who were stuck in transactional sex work and want to get out. People don't want to talk about sex work. I, I mean, I don't hear a lot of people talking about it, and I'm in recovery, and I still don't hear a lot of people talk about it, but, like, when you do that, you do feel like you're selling your soul, and, like, while I'm, like, out here trying to eat and survive and not be homeless. Today, Katie is over a year sober. She has a car, a house, a job. 
But many people in the sex work industry don't have the support she's had. So where do we go from here? We can start by having open and honest conversations about the sex work industry and educating ourselves on what's really happening in our community. And we can support programs and policies that support women in vulnerable situations. You've been listening to Storm Stories. Storm Stories is a project of the nonprofit arts and media organization Working Narratives, which is based in Wilmington, North Carolina. To learn more about Storm Stories, visit www.workingnarratives.org. Music by Cambo Music in Canada. Special thanks to Ren Smith and Nick Saberla. Funding for Storm Stories was provided in part by the Democracy Fund's NC Local News Lab Fund, Unitarian Universalist Beach at Shelter Rock Foundation, and generous individuals like you. I'm your host and producer, Laura Bratton. Thanks for listening.